start there then. Okay, good morning, gentlemen. I hope to be back in Atlanta later today. But we're on 73B, Ein Gimel Amid Beis. We're going to start from the Eisve, maybe about 10 lines up from the middle. We're in the middle of a fascinating Gemara. Um, it's a little hard to follow because we're going through a number of cases where there's multiple opinions. There's, mul- there's an argument, and then there's opinions, three opinions about what the argument is. And we love those Gemaras, right? Um, the main challenge is sometimes to be able to see what those different opinions are. And it comes out very practical in the end, uh, sometimes, when you see what those different opinions are. Um, a few uh, introductions. Um, one is that some people get engaged uh, and promise to get married. Uh, usually in those days, it was a year later. And uh, they, the, they made certain stipulations at the engagement. I'm willing to marry you if X, Y, Z, uh, if you do X, Y, Z. And the other side says, well, as long uh, I'll marry you if you do X, Y, Z. And then the question is, if in the end they don't, they don't meet their commitment, but they get married anyways. So the real question is, did they change their mind or did they assume everything was fine? Now, if they assumed everything was fine and they find out later that the other side lied to them and didn't meet their commitment, that could be called Kedusha Tos and they might have a false marriage and they're not really married. Or uh, when somebody um, later on, uh, they don't re-mention the issues that they mentioned a year earlier, maybe they change their mind. Or not that they change their mind, once they had the woman in front of them and they're at the wedding hall, they decided that they are marrying this woman. A, a person has emotions. And um, there's a concept also that when a person has relations, that they're creating facts on the ground, that the having of relations itself is, um, we believe that, uh, unfortunately, our society has changed, that having relations is like uh, doesn't view it as anything significant. We view that as taking a wife. That's an act of marriage. And when somebody decides to make an act of marriage, uh, they want to marry that person. And they are not just saying, well, maybe they will, maybe they won't. They're creating facts on the ground. And so if they've created, if they had an act of marriage, they did an act of marriage, I, they might, may have said some reservations before. Maybe that creates the marriage. But then we said, what if they created a, a marriage based on a certain assumptions and those assumptions weren't true? So we've been going through a number of debates about that issue. Now, obviously, they could do, repropose and remarry once they worked out their issues. The question here is, would they need a divorce from the first marriage? And everybody asks about the marriage of Yaakov to uh, Leah because that's not what he bargained for. Uh, and so that should be the typical case of Kedusha Tos. Uh, that's in the background of all these questions. Um, the one thing I would say is that we often are challenged when we try to bring proofs from the Yavos and the Mahus, because they're, they're, their situations were so different. We believe that uh, Yaakov Avinu had Ruach HaKodesh, uh, like a divine intuition, just like Davin Amelech had divine intuition. And uh, so Yaakov Avinu knew that he planned on marrying the woman in front of him. He saw that she was meant to be his wife, uh, that she was. But he may have thought that she was Rachel and really she was Leah. But when he 
decided to marry her, he was fully planning on marrying the woman in front of him. He never had doubts that uh, maybe since I this wasn't what I expected, who really knows what to expect, that uh, he understood that she was the one who was his beshert, and he had the spiritual powers to know that. And so that can't be considered a fake marriage, whereas we don't have those kind of spiritual powers. And if somebody is fooled into marrying somebody who he doesn't agree to marry, maybe he didn't, that's not called an act of marriage. So that, there are differences in that. But let's begin. Omar is dealing with such a case. A person made a condition before the marriage. Um, it begins. Good morning, Steve. We are beginning on 73b, Ein Gemol Amid Beis, um, starting with the Eisvei. It starts like this. Hareini Bolech. What happens if a woman uh, and a husband and man definitely want to get married, but uh, the husband says, there's no way I can marry you if my father will not agree. In the old days, people were very close to their parents, and they wouldn't consider marrying a woman who their parents would not give consent. Uh, and uh, often they would uh, live with the parents too, and that you kind of need the parents agree to the wife. So uh, what happens if the, uh, the one way to get married in those days was to have relations? So a person says uh, he wanted to have relations with her, but he said uh, the marriage will be valid assuming that his parents get, go along with it. And she consents. He said, I will marry you and this will be an act of marriage, but I'm putting a condition on this act. My father has to agree. So what happens if the father didn't agree? So one view is, it's um, the act of marriage creates marriage regardless of that condition. So they are married. Rav Shimon ben Yehuda, Moshum Shimon. No, Rata'av, if the father agrees, Mikudashis. Then they're married. Lo Rata'av, if the father does not agree. So almost retroactively, the act of marriage was not an act of marriage. Valcha enu Mikudashis. So the more has a question, over here, the Kitos Isha Achastami. We're dealing with one one wife. We had a scenario yesterday where a person had two different wives. He married two different women, but he made his position clear that he doesn't take wives that make commitments. He doesn't like women that are making promises. He made that clear with his first wife. And the question was, can we assume that that that, that was the, his intention with the second wife? And uh, we debated if the, again, some people uh, have an assumed, uh, some people don't intend to get married if somebody has certain conditions, and some people do intend. But over here, this is one wife, and we still have an argument if he marries someone and the father disagrees. The question really, again, is at the moment, uh, before a person gets married, all kinds of things are important. All kinds of conditions, all kinds of he wants all he want all kinds of things when you get married. You want everything, but then when the reality of marriage sinks in, you have to settle that certain things are not necessarily what you bargained for. But you're still married because you you, you create facts on the ground, and you marry a woman, and you live with this woman. You create facts on the ground. So over here, the question is: you wanted your father's consent, and it sounds like it's an argument. Uh, whether or not you give up all conditions. So we see that this argument exists even in a case uh, with the same wife where he made this condition. So Gemara says, no. 
Hasam Nami over there, that you could argue that the argument is about a different issue. Uh, what's the argument? Uh, when he said his father agrees, he didn't mean that his father was going to love this girl. He meant the father will tolerate her. The father won't say anything. He was quiet. There's different levels of agreement. And so when he said his father is, agrees and is happy with her, the fact that the father didn't throw her out of the house, so he's okay with that. No, father has to say yes. And he didn't say that. So this is a whole new level of argument. This has to do with what does he mean consent? Does consent mean that he actually says yes? What a good wife? Or does consent mean... He's not going to, uh, he's, he doesn't, doesn't say anything. That's a totally different argument. Again, uh, yeah. Do we know if it, if it would be the same halacha, regardless of it's her, her father or his father who doesn't like it? Yeah, conditions go both ways. She can also set conditions. But he doesn't exactly say my father. He just says father. So do yeah. we know which... Yes, we yeah, know? yeah, we know. When he says father, he means his father. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Each person, I assume, when they say that father, mother, they mean their own. That's the assumption. But it would be true the other way as well. But it, it, the bottom line is, we thought we could bring a proof from there, and it turns out that that argument is about a totally different issue. The issue there is how how what does he mean consent? Does consent mean not complaining, or does it mean actually being happy about it? And that. Um, it might depend on the person. You know, there's some people who you're not going to get a yes from, but the fact that they don't say no, when we were in school, like if, if you didn't, if, if you didn't, you wouldn't get permission to do something, the question was, would you get in trouble for it? That was the question, right? So that's totally different. Okay. So the Gemara continues uh, along the line of questioning. The, the question was on the case where uh, somebody had previously indicated a certain uh, preference or condition, whether that would apply in, in, with another wife or a next act of marriage. The assumption of that condition, uh, that was the question. So, Eisvein, where is the question? Uh, and again, we're going to have a new case that should be a similar issue to the one we had before. That the Chachami would admit to Rebbe Lezer, a woman gets married as a minor, by her father, which uh, the father has the per, the ability to marry off the daughter. The father trusted the the Torah trusted the father to act on his daughter's behalf. Uh, now she gets married, and then they get divorced. And now this is what's called Yisoma Bechayav. The father has one chance to get it right. He's able to marry the daughter off. If that doesn't work, we don't give him another chance. The Torah doesn't give him another chance. Um, and she's called an orphan in the life of her father. Normally, the father uh, is, is, uh, has the ability to marry her off. He lost that. He, so we call her an orphan in the life of the father because she goes back to the father, but he doesn't have the complete control over her anymore. Uh, he had that, and he proved that he didn't uh, fully act on her behalf well, or, or she's back in the house, but she's somewhat independent. When a woman is divorced and comes back in the house, even though she's in the same house she was in before, it's not quite the same. So what happens? Uh, now the husband who got divorced remarried her. It does seem like from a lot of the cases that they remarried their ex. 
uh, more often than we than we would talk about. You know, today marriage and divorce is a big deal. People get attorneys, and it's big money. And uh, but let's say he she was too young, and uh, the husband dumped her, gave her a divorce, and then when she got a little older, he 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 agreed to take her back. Now over here, when he takes her back, she's still a minor, so she doesn't. The second marriage isn't minatora. And then this husband drops dead, uh, and but he's got a brother. <laughs> so again, we have a real fun case. The guy marries a minor. The father marries her off. He decides he's giving her a divorce. She's not ready to leave her parents' home, sends her back. Then uh, he decides that he wants to remarry her, and she agrees. But it's only a rabbinic marriage because her father only gets one chance to marry her off Minotaur until she's an adult. And she's not an adult yet, so... Uh, she can't give consent, but her mother and her older brother give consent. So, and then she remarries her previous husband. And now uh, that husband dies and he's got a brother. Can that brother do Yibam? So over here, everybody agrees. Uh, well, um, yeah, everybody agrees that she should only get Chalitza and not Yibam. We're concerned that the second marriage isn't a 100% marriage. Now, what's the problem with that? Let's go back, uh, go back to the earlier case. Uh, a man marries a woman as a minor and gets divorced. Now, if that woman would want to marry his brother, she would not be able to marry the brother of his ex. That's the brother. Uh, once a person marries his, uh, you're not allowed to marry his relatives. Um, it's only a unique situation where a person is married to someone that the prohibition to marry that person's brother falls off. But over here, her second marriage is only Midirabanan. So the question is, can she now marry his brother or not? Do we look at it with, as since the second marriage is kind of not a complete marriage, because she was a, still a minor when she got married, so therefore she can't have Yibam and she only can get Chalitza? Or no, do we say, uh, let her marry her husband's brother? It's a mitzvah of Yibam. So everybody agrees over here, she gets Chalitza, Mibnesha Gerushin, when she got divorced, that was a good divorce. And now this uh, husband's brother is her ex-husband's brother. Ah, he's not an ex anymore. It's not a complete remarriage. This issue was where he got divorced when she was a minor. And he remarried her as a minor. And a minor can only be a rabbinic marriage in this case because she can't give complete consent. But if he gave her a divorce and she's a tana, and he took her back as an adult, bottom line, or he took her back as a minor of a godl etzo, and now she grew up, and now he dropped dead, then he could get chalitza yibam, in that case. And the reason why, uh, and this is a logic that you, we had yesterday, that uh, even though a woman may have been married only rabbinically as a minor, when she lives together with her husband as a major, as an adult, they create new facts on the ground, meaning that when they live together physically as adults, they even if they were only married until now rabbinically because she couldn't give consent, her having relations with him as an adult and having relations as husband and wife makes her completely married to him. Once she's completely married to him, if he dies, she can marry his brother. That's what we want to mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot the halacha. What uh, does it work if a husband gives a get to a minor 
to a minor yes. wife? Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Why doesn't she need DOS or something? No, no, no. Minatora, if she doesn't want to be divorced, he can uh, he can dump her. He can send her a divorce, and he can sever the relationship without her consent. It could be rabbinically, we don't do it today, or this and that. I, I don't know what the rabbi said about a minor, if they, you know, whether he can divorce her or not. But, but Minotaur, certainly. Okay. Um, so this question that we're dealing with here, um, so I'll just remind you, because we had it yesterday, I don't know how Rabbi Feldman explained it or not, but again, when somebody has a rabbinic marriage, and then they grow up, and then they live together as husband and wife, so automatically they create new new facts on the ground and it turns into a Torah marriage. That's one argument. The other argument is they have to know that. They have to know that when they're having relations as an adult, that they're now turning their marriage into a Torah marriage. But what happens if they didn't realize they were never married? Um, there, part of this discussion is interesting, goes into somebody that had a reform or conservative marriage, which the rabbi is not valid, the witnesses aren't valid, so they were never married. But then they live together with their uh, wife. So wouldn't that create new, uh, wouldn't that make them married Menatora? Because they live together, regardless of the fact that the rabbi they had didn't know what he was doing, was not a rabbi, and, uh, uh, and they were never really married legally, but they created facts on the ground. But what if they never knew that they had to create new facts on the ground? Did they have to think that they, maybe they thought they were married already, so they never had intention to be married when they lived together? Or maybe no. When the husband and wife have relations, that part of having relations means that they are 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 uh, uh, creating that marriage. Marriage means that uh, people do things that create a child, and that's part of that. That's an act of marriage as an adult. So that goes into that question that we had yesterday: is when people have relations as adults, even if until now they weren't married, is it possible to create marriage, or do they have to have intent? So over here, we're saying this minor that got remarried, even though it was only rabbinically, but she lived with her husband as an adult. So uh, regardless, that creates intent to be married. And uh, now she could marry his brother if he dies. As we turn to today's page, Rishumu Lazar, he says no. Uh, he says no. Uh, he argues, and he says that, uh, no, that uh, we don't consider them married 100%. And over here, this is the same wife, and we're arguing over here whether they have in mind uh, when they had relations to turn it into a Torah marriage. The Gemara says no. Hasam nami Over here, this is the argument. Three lines from the top. He knew the first time around that when he married her as a minor that it really wasn't valid in a Torah. She didn't give consent. And he has in mind that it becomes more of a marriage when she fully is able to give consent, so he has in mind after her bas mitzvah that they're fully going to marry, and therefore, because he has that in mind, they're able to make it a Torah marriage. Umar Sabra, people don't all go to yeshiva, even if they don't go to yeshiva, they don't really think that now their wife is able to give consent and that may, and they're able to have, create new facts on the ground. He never realized that the marriage to the minor was no good. He lived with her. The fact that he lived with her, that had to do with the first marriage. 
Again, that was an argument that we had yesterday. When people have relations, even if they're in this, the act of having relation creates facts on the ground. That's a that that's a very it's even stronger than giving a ring. Is having relations with a woman as far as making her your wife. The question is, does he realize it or does he just assume that he's continuing a process that he started? If he realizes it, that uh, he's creating a marriage. So definitely living with a woman as the husband and wife as adults creates a marriage. But if he thinks that he's already married and he doesn't realize it, so then he never had in mind to do an act of marriage. Okay, so that's an, that's a, that's an old argument we had yesterday. It's Marnami. We learned like this. Let's say he had he gave certain conditions when he got engaged. But then he lived with her. He, again, words are one thing. Living with a woman is, is the biggest fact on the ground. So everybody says, so So this view is, um, but everybody would agree that when he made conditions that he doesn't need to give divorce because the fact that she consented to those conditions, he's assuming those conditions are good and that the living with them wouldn't, uh, wouldn't change that in this case. If two different women are different marriages, then that might be different. But where it's more simple and straightforward that he made conditions and she didn't meet those conditions, uh, that's where the, we're saying now everybody agrees. Ace Bay, what do you mean? Because we're going to learn. When you say everybody agrees, not everybody agrees. But okay. Ace Bay, Ravacha, Bar, He had a question. Mutos. What happens if somebody does a fake out chalitza? Uh, we get reminded to uh, do a little review of our of our of uh, of Yavamos. Um, oh, uh, people they they're aware that you know first of all Yivam doesn't come up that often Baruch Hashem where a person dies without children and he has a brother. So what happens if um, this man wants uh, the brother-in-law uh, wants to give the woman chalitza, but they're bugging him to do Yivam, and uh, he wants to. Uh, he would like to give her chalitza, but she wants to do yibum, and her family wants him to do yibum. So he wants to do it. Wants to fake her out. So he gives her a fake chalitza. What he does is she's not very learned. She never learned yibamus, and so he tells her, you know, you remember in the Torah about taking off the shoe and spitting. That's like a brother thing that the wife has to do. And if you do that, then we'll be able to have yibum. So chalitza mutos, if she gives chalitza and she doesn't really think, she doesn't realize that chalitza is saying goodbye, that you're not going to have yibam, he fakes her out, it still works. You don't need intent for chalitza. Ezi chalitza mutos, what exactly is a fake out chalitza? Omer eshlakash kosha omerlo, where they say to her a chalitzlo, well, I was saying he faked her out, what happens if she faked him out? Uh, they, she didn't want to marry him. And they say, well, give her chalitza, and then you could marry her. And then after he gives chalitza, he takes off the shoe, and she spit. Uh, guess what? You can't marry her. You're not getting the estate. And sometimes they had a little brother uh, who, um, uh, they, the older brothers didn't want him to go marry her and take the estate. So they, they told him, oh, first you have to get chalitza, and that's how you do it. So over there, uh, whether he knew what he was doing. And she was the one who got faked. Or she knew she was getting chalitza. He says that in order for chalitza to work, 
they both have to understand what the, what's going on. Chalitza, that things that biblically work by the, the, the das, the knowledge of those that are doing them. Actions only worked based on intent. And you're saying it's good. He says, that's not the case. That's not the argument. The case is, She, um, he wants to do Yibam because he'll get, the, he'll get money. And she doesn't want to do Yibam, and she doesn't want to marry the, the brother who just wants her for her money. So she says, give me Chalitza. And he says, well, if you'll give me the money, then I'll give you Chalitza. So she says, okay. And then after he gives her Chalitza, she says, goodbye, I ain't giving you money. So the question is, is that a fake chalitza? Because she promised him the, mo- the money, the bucks. I'm a kivin oven maisa. We say, well, once you do an action, that, uh, that means that you forgave the condition. You could, or he could have said that right away, he wants the money, and they could have had the chalitza later. And the question was, he didn't repeat his condition. Hachanami here also, kivin de bol, once he has relations with her later, he forgives his conditions. This kind of turns out, uh, uh, the debate is where he may have mentioned a condition and later on he doesn't re-mention it. And later on he takes actions that seem to indicate that that's no longer important to him or not. And, and that's kind of the question. Does he, uh, do we say that by the fact that the, the actions were, were more stronger than the earlier words? Did the rabbi say, did the student say a good, uh, what is, is your logic good? Rashi, Shaper Kamis. That's a question. The question over here is a different question. Uh, we did have that question where a person changed his mind on the condition. The word change your mind means mochel. Uh, you forgive the condition. A lot of times you prefer it, you would like certain things, but uh, maybe the actions speak louder than your words. You, when you came to the actual ceremony, you didn't mention it. Again, you have to mention, uh, with people mention all kinds of things when they're getting engaged and they're going out, but uh, if it's still very important to them, they need to mention it before the marriage, especially when it's a year later or before the ceremony. So, But over here, the more is saying it's really not a good proof. Maybe it's a totally different issue. And uh, we, we love these Gemaras where we bring up all these new, new issues. So this issue has to do with when you make a condition, what types of conditions are good? Maybe over here, there's a different reason why the condition works. Omar, let's go to the Gemara. Omar, Barbara, Shaprika, Amr, are you saying good? Mikti, Koltanai, Meheka, Gamrina, where do we learn there's such a thing as, how do you know you can get married on a condition? Mitanai, Bnei Gadu, Bnei Ruven. They made a condition, Moshe Rabbeinu in the Torah made a condition with the tribe of Bnei Gadu, Bnei Ruven, that if you'll go fight for your brothers, then we'll give you the land. But if you don't, you ain't getting the land. So um, it's a, a condition. Now, over there, the whole tribe didn't go fight. Only certain people, they'd send a certain amount of fighters, and they would represent the tribe. So if it's a condition that you can do through a messenger, then it works. But a different scenario where you couldn't send somebody else to do it uh, would not be good. Over here, uh, they're getting married. That's not something you could do with a messenger. Uh, conditions are great in contracts. 
But when you're living with a woman, you can't say that you made a condition that I wouldn't marry her if I, if she wouldn't bring money or she wouldn't do this. And he lived with her. He he had relations with her. He he bonded with her. So that maybe conditions don't work in that case. Uh, so and you see from the fact that you can't create a messenger to do it, it has to be done between him and her. That maybe conditions aren't even possible. And over there, um, how maybe this condition doesn't work. So Lamar says that it would work even by relations. Because there's several ways to take a wife. And one way is to give money. Another way is to have a document written. And actually, you could have a messenger do that. You can have a messenger give the wife a ring. You could have somebody stand in there under the chuppah and give her a ring and marry her for you. Um, so Omar Rabbi Bar Ula, Omar Ula, Rabbi Lazar. Um, okay, so uh, therefore maybe that condition would work over there by the marriage. Okay, fine. A new thing. Omar uh, Ula Bar Abba Omar um, Ula, Rabbi Lazar, um, Omar Rabbi Lazar, Hamakadish Benova. Uh, what happens if a person, a woman, owes him money? And uh, he's bugging her for the money back, and she doesn't have it. And he says, well, I'll tell you what. I'll marry you. Uh, if you agree to marry me, I'll forgive the loan. So uh, uh, can, you, uh, can you do that? So actually, the halacha is that he has to give her something. And forgiving the loan, even though it's a lot of money, that's, that's not an act of marriage. So what happens if a person... Uh, proposes to a woman. He didn't know that that was the halacha. He says, I'll forgive you the loan if you'll marry me. Ubal, and then he has relations with her. Or he makes a condition and he has relations with her. Or or he gives her the Cracker Jack ring. Uh, he marries her with a uh, doesn't, uh, with something that's not of value. Let's see. The, the old days, they had something called Cracker Jack. And there used to be a prize in the Cracker Jack. And uh, sometimes they'd give you a toy ring. And uh, what's a boy going to do with a toy ring? And he sits sitting next to a girl. And he says, for fun, he says, uh, oh, look, I got a ring. Will you marry me? And he hands, he says, I, I'm, I propose to you. And he throws her the ring. And everybody laughs. But the problem is, maybe they're married now because he gave her a ring. So if it's worth less than a Sheva Pruta, so then there's no question. The question is, it might be worth a penny. And then they might be married. And uh, believe it or not, in every uh, century almost, somebody, uh, there was a, a young woman who was silly enough to say, uh, pretend she was g- accepting his proposal. And uh, they asked these kind of questions, like it could be that she's married. Um, and that's, that's been part of the, the, uh, the, the, the Ramosha has that question. It's like a question that reappears in the books. I don't know if they always had Cracker Jack. Uh, they had other cases where somebody would give the woman something and it wasn't worth very much whether they were considered married. But then they lived together. So Dira call everybody agrees they need to get. Uh in the case where he married her with less than the Sheva Pruta and then they have relations, the reason why they need to get Bahaihu de Lota. Over here he knows that he didn't give her enough before and that they have to have in mind that the living together creates the marriage. Abu Bahana, but the other ones, they might have thought they were married. Nobody thought they were married with the Cracker Jack ring. That's really part of the question. Nobody expe- nobody meant that. Nobody thought that. Uh, certainly not if it was worth less than a Shavapruta. 
Our economist made it Ulamakadash al Tanayoval. He said if you did get conditions, you do need to get. Zehai Maisa. Uh they um there was such a case. below get. They didn't you know, they lived together. They didn't want them to get divorced without a get. Lafuke Mahaitana, this excludes that opinion. And again, here this has to do with it could be the marriage wasn't good. The initial the way they proposed to each other wasn't good, but then they lived together as man and wife, and that that does make the marriage. And this uh, excludes one opinion. The Amr of Yud Amr Shmuel, Shum Rabbi Shmuel, says like this, Normally, a woman who's married and has relations with a man besides her husband becomes forbidden to the husband and is committing adultery. And that happens if she wasn't forced, uh, obviously, if, if, an, if she was forced to have relations, she was raped, she doesn't become forbidden to her husband. The he lonis pasa, she wasn't grabbed, and she willingly has relations with a man other than her husband, she becomes forbidden. Highness pasa, but if she was forced, she can go back to her husband. The but there is another scenario, where a married woman can have relations with another man and still be permitted to go back to him. The easy, what would that be? Shekedushe, kedushe tos. That if her first marriage was not a marriage, uh, that even if she uh, marries a guy and she has kids and the kid is riding on her shoulders as we turn the page, we had this case before. In that case, where her first marriage, she can undo the marriage, Mayenis, she says, I don't like the guy. I never agreed to be married, even though she had kids. Because her body might have been uh, able to have kids, but she's able to nullify the marriage and then have relations with another man, and that's not a problem because the first marriage was not a marriage. Okay, again, a number of halachic issues. Uh, the good news is we had most of them, so they should sound somewhat familiar. It's just confusing to have so many different cases on the same, uh, you know, on one page to have like six debates, <laughs> and each one is slightly nuanced, a little different. This was the case of Mian, where she um, uh, she looked like she was married, but it really wasn't because it was only a rabbinic marriage. And she was able to opt out even if she actually had kids. Um, uh, okay. Tan Rabban. Our rabbis learned, as we turn the page, let's say she made a vow and he swore he wasn't going to marry women who had these uh, promises and commitments already. But she went to the rabbi and he took them off. So, Mikudeshis, now everything is great. Uh, that solved the problem because really she had a vow, but it wasn't a real vow because they were able to take care of it. The rabbi was able to nullify it, so everything is good. Eitzorofa, uh, what happens if he says, I can't marry a woman who has um, has certain physical problems, but she goes to the doctor and he heals her. So, then it's no good. Why? There, in other words, he, he got engaged to her and she promised that she didn't have any physical conditions. Uh, and uh, they got married, they got engaged, and she accepted an engagement, and then she ran to the doctor to get healed. So we say it's too late. Ma ben chacham what's the difference between the vow and the doctor? Chacham mikara. When the sage removes the vow, retro- retroactively, there never was a vow. So he, he married her on the condition that she didn't have a vow, so the way a vow works is it becomes from it comes out that there never was a vow. Where over here he married her that she wasn't sick, she was actually sick, but she got better. Rofa marapa lahaba. The doctor only heals in the future, and this is not uh, retroactive. 
Then we learn both of them is not good. Uh, even uh, by the vow, it's uh, it's not good. So how can you say if she removes the vow, it's okay? So Amarava Lokasha, it's not a difficulty. Sometimes single women will make commitments, and then when they realize that they uh, their husband will only marry them if they discontinue it, so now she runs to the rabbi. So this view is you can't do that. Why? Because of a different view. Hi Rameir, hi Rebelazer. This is a different view. The question here is: uh, Is it a solution uh, to remove a vow by going to a rabbi? Let's say a woman committed; she was never going to eat meat, or she was never going to do this, but she finds Prince Charming, and she agrees to marry him. And he says, "Well, I want to do this," and she secretly is thinking, "Well, I'll have to go sneak to the rabbi and get remove this, but I can fix that." And so she promises, makes the, gets married to him. So the question is, does that work? So before we said that works because it's retroactively. Now we're going to see opinion that doesn't work. Lemur now is talking with a sense of humor. A husband wants his wife to get embarrassed in court. It doesn't mean he wants it. It means that he's accepting it. A person doesn't mind. If his wine goes... The question is, is it embarrassing to a person to have his wife in court? It's a... a, uh, you know, why is your wife in court? They're having marital problems. They're going in front of the rabbi. People are going to talk. Some people, they really, the whole court scene, they really, they they don't want their wife to have to be interrogated in front of a court, in front of a basedin. Uh, marriages that women are private people. They don't go to court. So one view is, Ramirez says, person doesn't mind. Other Rotsu should buy. He, does, he doesn't mind his wife getting embarrassed in court. Even though it says, Rotsu means he wants, it means he doesn't mind. Relazer says, no, she's going to go to court and the, ju- and the judge is going to say, well, why did you say you would never marry a man? Well, I thought they were all dumb. <laughs> or why did you promise that you were going to be a vegetarian? It, it's, it's, it's demeaning to have to explain your inner thoughts and explain why you changed your mind and why you may have said something silly when you were young. Men are kind of tough. They can live, they can live with that. But to have a person's wife in front of court so it could be you can take remove a vow, but a husband never married her on that condition because he would not have wanted that. Mahi, where do we see that debate? If a person divorces a wife because she has a vow, lo yaxer, he shouldn't take her back uh, uh, because, uh, um, uh, let's say later, um, let's see the Rashi. Why can't he take her back? It's on the left side, lo yaxer. Um, the Farish Mesectus getting traded for two reasons. Iklamanushum Kilko, it's a problem. Shimata Omer Yaksir Shemitekitanase. Maybe uh if he's allowed to take her back, maybe she'll go and remarry. Uh the Nimsa Shemra, Shainu Shemra, O Neder Neker Aude Chachum. Let's say he divorced her because he thought she was doing bad stuff, or because she had a vow. And then it turns out she doesn't have. Uh, it turns out that she never did what he thought, or it turns out that the the sage removed the vow, and she meanwhile remarried someone else. And he's going to say, "Ilu Had I known that he, you could take off the vow, I never would have divorced her. And so now it's going to put into question her new marriage. No mana. If I had a, even if they gave me a million dollars, I would have never divorced her. Fika Amrlo. So what we do is when we give a divorce, we tell a person that the divorce is final. You can't say, uh, well, I divorced her because I thought this, but I changed my mind. 
either because of bad reputation, if you really like her, you're not going to hurry up to divorce her. The inami su or either we either we tell him make sure that you really want to get divorced, or we say you won't be believed to take her back. Okay, well we get to get and we'll have more time to go into that case. But uh, let, let's start the Gemara again. It's not If a person gets divorced because his wife has a vow, so we don't want to allow that vow to be taken off because then he might try to to undo his divorce. I would have never gotten divorced if I realized she could take it off. So we don't let him take him back. We tell him ahead of time, this is going to be permanent. Or if he gets divorced, Mishum Shem Ra, because he heard that she was doing bad stuff, lo, yeah, he can't take her back because we're afraid that in case she, meanwhile, marries someone else, he will regret his divorce and cast dispersions on it. Rabbi Yudah says, If it was a public vow, that public vows you really can't take off. Lo yaksir, those he can't take her back because uh, they can't be undone. Lo yodu be rabin, but if it's a vow that people don't know about that could be nullified, yaksir, then it, he could take her back. Ramirez says, If he it would need to go to Bezdin, lo yaksir. If it doesn't it need to go to a chacham, it could take her back. There are some cases where you have and some cases where you don't. And we'll get into this uh, tomorrow. Again, if somebody gets divorced, what cases, because of a vow, when do we allow her to go to a sage and remove the vow? That's going to be the question. And it's a question over concern of a possible get that will be given without full consent. Uh, and we're, we never want a get to be given that could later on not uh, be undone. And so that's going to be the question. And again, it, it ends up dealing with this question about wanting to go to Beisden or not, is that, a, is that a reasonable scenario that the wife, even though the wife could, but does a husband expect his wife to do that, or he just says he typically wouldn't want his wife to go in front of a Beisden? Okay. Have a, Rabbi Shalom. Have a great day, everybody. Be well. Mm-hmm. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. So, we heard you had uh, uh, a over there. Everything okay? Yeah, yeah. Baruch Hashem. Very good. Thank you.